0: Hope you guys are doing well. Um, I want to say welcome to those of you who are here in person and welcome to those of you who are joining us on the live stream. Um, My name is Jared and I'm one of the elders here at Mercy Hill and uh, we're excited just to be able to gather uh, together around um, God's Word and around Um, worship and just spending some time just singing songs about who God is and spending time in prayer. And it's a joy to be together today. So welcome to you guys. Um, Our title for the sermon this morning is uh, titled, A Life Lived Longing for God. A Life Lived Longing for God. And I, I was reminded this week through the the various incidents that happened around our country of just the importance of this message today, of how important it is to realize that we are designed to long for something so much greater than ourselves, so much greater than the country that we live in, so much greater than the leaders that we vote for. We are created and designed to, to long for our Creator To long for our God. And there's a piece of us, a piece of our heart, that will not be fulfilled or satisfied with anything else. Have you ever wanted something? I mean, like, really wanted something. I think back to when I was a kid, and Christmas time would come around, right? And uh, the Sears catalog, and the... Amazon sends out a catalog now, but there there used to be a Sears catalog, and it was full of all these great things, and I remember spending time as a kid sitting down with a pen in my hand, uh, flipping through those pages, and just picking out all the things that I wanted, right? And like, I wasn't holding anything back. Like, I I remember circling, there was like a $500 remote control airplane, I I was like seven, I had no chance, but I thought, hey, that's awesome. I want that. I'm going to circle it. Um, Our our lives, in so many ways, we experience desires on so many levels, on multiple levels of of desires and multiple depths. So we desire a, a sweet treat for dessert after dinner, but at the same time, we also desire and want to feel contentment and satisfaction we desire a lasting and accepting relationship in our life we desire intimacy we dev- we desire adventure our desires range on this wide spectrum of needs and wants and in many ways our life is a journey of desire a journey of just competing desires as we walk through this world and that word longing, a life lived longing for God. I think most of us, that word longing, we, we don't really use it very often. Like that's, that's just not something that we use in our daily vernacular. We, we don't use that word longing. It just seems to have a little more depth and a little more purpose behind it than we may use in our normal everyday life. Uh, the dictionary defines the word longing as a yearning desire. A yearning desire. And we're going to look this morning at a text in Psalm 63. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Psalm 63. But we're looking at a text, and this text really displays God's heart. And how David's, excuse me, displays David's heart. And it displays how his heart is longing for God. How his heart is longing for God. For God. So quick context, this was written when David was a king, and David was a fugitive at this point. And David was a fugitive at at a couple of times, but this was um, probably the, the second time he was a fugitive. So David finds himself in a unique situation where his son, Absalom, has come along and decided that he thinks he can rule the kingdom better than David. And so he leads an uprising or a rebellion and kicks David off of his throne and runs him out of his kingdom. He overthrows his father's throne. And in uh, 2 Samuel 15 23, we read that David fled the city and he went into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness. And most scholars believe that this, this psalm was likely written while David was out in the wilderness, having been kicked out of his own kingdom and off of his own throne by his son, no less. And he runs out into the wilderness. My Bible says a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And many of us find ourselves in similar circumstances as David. Now, you may not uh, have been run out of your house by your son who thought that he could run your household better than you can. But many of us find ourselves in places where we are driven into a wilderness of life. And it's a place that we did not choose to be and we do not desire to be. A place in life that feels like wilderness, where we do not choose to be and we do not desire to be. By painful circumstances or tragedy in our lives, we find ourselves in the wilderness. And whatever your your circumstances may be, our, our big idea this morning for this passage is simply this. God is worthy of our longing and we long for his worth. God is worthy of our longing. And we long for his worth. I'm going to invite you to read Psalm 63 with me this morning. Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And when I remember you upon my bed, and I meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth, and they shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So I want to point out four ideas here of what it looks like to live a life that is longing for God. Longing for God. The first thing we see is that longing for God is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Look at verse 1 that says, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. Now that word earnestly, it's, uh, it's translated from the Hebrew word uh, shaker, and it literally means to look early for, or to look early and diligently for. So in, in the ESV version, it's translated earnestly. There are other versions where it's translated as, as early but it, it carries this idea of not just simply looking and pursuing hard after, but, but to, to be doing that early in the day, to be looking early or, di- or diligently for. It's the idea that when you wake up in the morning, there's something that you are waiting for. And as soon as you wake up, like you, you desire and you pursue that thing. I don't mean to use all the the Christmas analogies, but I remember being a kid, and Christmas morning, like you wake up, and it takes your brain like a millisecond to realize, oh, it's Christmas morning, and it's 6 a.m., right? Like your parents have to drag you out of bed every other morning to go to school, but on Christmas morning, we're wide awake at 6 a.m. Why is that? Because we we are earnestly desiring that. And when we wake up in the morning, it's the first thing that we realize, the first thing that we think about, the first thing that we pursue... And David here says that early, he would earnestly seek God. He would earnestly seek God, but he doesn't stop with with the morning. It's not something that David got up early, and he did, and he checked it off of his box, and he went on with the rest of the day. Verse 6, further down in the passage, he says, "...when I remember you upon my bed, and I I meditate on you in the watches of the night." I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the the night. David wasn't content to simply seek God in the morning. As the day closes, we continue to see this picture of David as he continues to long for God, as he continues to pursue that relationship with him. In the morning, in the evening, and even through the watches of the night, David longed for God. I have a a quick quote I wanted to share with you by Brennan Manning. And he says this, The engaged mind, illuminated by truth, awakens awareness. And the engaged heart, affected by love, awakens passion. May I say once more, this essential energy of the soul is not an ecstatic trance or high emotion or a sanguine stance towards life. It is a fierce Longing for God. An unyielding resolve to live in and out of our belovedness. I'm going to read that last line one more time. An unyielding resolve to live in and out of our belovedness. Can can you imagine if we treated our spouse or if you have a, a loved one that you're in relationship with, I, I think of my wife. I, I can't imagine if I got up in the morning and spoke to my wife for thirty minutes, and then went on to work, and then throughout the whole day of work, she she never heard from me, and I didn't talk to her. And then I get home in the evening, and we don't talk. We just sit and eat together, and then we don't talk after dinner. We don't talk before we get in bed, and then if, if we we get in bed for the evening, we're about to turn out the light, and she says. Why aren't you talking to me? Like, th- does my answer, oh, I talked to you this morning. Like, does that work? Is that, is that a relationship? Is that how, is that how we operate as, as human beings who are relational? No, not at all. Living a life longing for God longs for so much more than 30 minutes in the morning. It's a life that we live throughout the day in constant communication and in constant desire for. Relationships are intended to be cultivated out of a joy for one another. Out of a joy for one another. And that's God's heart for you. God lays his heart out in multiple places through Scripture. God, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 86 says, But you, O Lord, are compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. First Chronicles 16 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Your response to that and a right response to God's heart for you is a longing for Him. A right response to God's heart for you is a longing for Him. That we would desire Him and pursue Him. And that's not just something that, as we look at the life of David, that just happened in the morning one time and he would just do it once or twice. It was a... Day long, from morning till evening, David had a heart that longed for God. And so, longing for God is a lifestyle that happens throughout the day. Secondly, longing for God recognizes that he is better. That he is better. Verse 3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. He is better. David makes it abundantly clear that he pursues and desires God far above all else. That God is his ultimate source of satisfaction. Your steadfast love is better than life, better than anything else that this life has to offer. David says God's love is better. And listen, I know that the the Christian answer, the the right Sunday school answer here is is to say that yes, we know that and we agree with that. But I think if we're being open and honest here, a lot of us would acknowledge that we oftentimes love the the things and the gifts of this world far more than we love God the Father. And we spend our time pursuing the, the gifts of this world more than we spend time pursuing the the giver of those gifts. And so we can find ourselves at times pursuing what what are considered to be good things, whether they're relationships, or it may be finances, or it may be your hobbies or or interests, things that in and of themselves, they're, they're not inherently sinful, but as we place those things above the giver, they become idols in our life. And suddenly we find ourselves practicing this, this fake form of Christianity, which is in reality idolatry, as opposed to focusing on God the Father, on the giver of, the, of those gifts. So longing for God requires a recognition that God is better. He's better than everything that this world has to offer. And what makes this psalm in some ways more impactful is again to realize that, that David's writing this in the midst of suffering, in the midst of suffering, a beautiful reminder that even when life is full of disappointment and loss, that our souls can only be fully content and satisfied in God alone. We're we are designed that way. We are designed that way to find contentment and satisfaction in God alone, because this world will always disappoint us. David wanted God more than he wanted life. He wanted God more than he wanted life. And if you want God more than you want life, then you want God more than you want the gifts of this life, however good they may be. And there are good gifts family and, and health and food and creation, there, there are good gifts in this life, but all of them are designed to point us to, to the giver of, the, of those gifts. And he is warning us to not let our hearts settle. And we oftentimes find ourselves settling for lesser things. We find ourselves settling for lesser things, when ultimately God himself is our reward. God himself is our, is our reward. I want to reread verses 1 through 4 quickly. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power, beholding your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Do you see it there? Do you see how in in David's writing, God himself is his desire. God himself is the reward. He doesn't seek from God to restore him to his place and key of kingship. He doesn't seek from God some type of, of revenge against his son who's overthrown him. No, in the midst of the wilderness, when everything's falling apart, David recognizes that God himself is enough. That God is enough. And God is his reward. He is his reward and and him alone. Listen, David, he wasn't perfect. Um, If you remember, if you're a a part of Mercy Hill over the last year or so, we spent some time walking through the life of David and we saw a lot of moral failures along the way in the life of David. David himself wasn't perfect, but, but he's described in God's word as a man after God's own heart. And it's not hard to see why. He would stumble and fall, but he would, he would always come back. He would always come back. Psalm 73, verse 23, 23 through 26 is a familiar passage. I just want to read it quickly. It says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory whom have I in heaven but you and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever so a question that we have to ask ourselves is this if everything that you love and care for in this world were stripped away would God be enough If everything you love and care for in this world were stripped away, would God be enough? I think frequently of the life of Job and just the life of of loss that he suffered. And I I frequently ask myself, if if I were in that situation, if if that were me, what would be my heart's response? And that's a challenging question. And I I think that it's challenging for each of us as well. What would be my heart's response? And would it be what we see in, in that psalm? Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Longing for God recognizes that he is better. Better than all the world offers. And thirdly, longing for God produces joy. Longing for God produces joy. Verse 5 says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Verse 7 says, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wing I will sing for joy. In the shadow of God's wing we sing for joy. A joy that comes from knowing God and being known by God. This idea of being in the shadow of his wing is a picture of, of safety. It's a picture of help in a time of trouble. Uh, so, so this is pulled from, from birds or, or, or hens. Mother hens would take their chicks and they would gather them up together. And they would literally cover them with their wing when they sensed that danger was near. And so it's the same picture here that God would cover us With his wings, and you see this through scripture. Psalm 91 says under his wings you may seek refuge. Psalm 17 says keep me as the apple of the eye and hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36 says how precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. In the shadow of your wing I will sing for joy. What is the response when we find ourselves in the shadow of the Father's wing? David's response was joy. David, who lived a life longing for God, responded in joy, knowing that he was with the Father. Joy is a natural response. When we find ourselves in that situation, it's a natural response. Response: Recognizing who God is and who we are as his children and knowing that our, our relationship is one such that he would cover us with, with his wings. Joy naturally flows from that. Matthew 13 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. There's a joy Knowing God, Jeremiah 15 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. This idea that joy is a byproduct of our relationship with God the Father is seen throughout Scripture. And a life lived longing for God produces joy in our lives. And that joy can exist despite our circumstances, right? So that's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is is dependent upon our, our happenstances or our circumstances, whereas joy can exist despite sorrow at times. We can still experience joy. It comes from a deeper understanding of knowing who God is and knowing who we are, knowing that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we're undeserving of grace, that we're alive. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God made us alive. That we are sons and daughters. We are a royal priesthood. We could go on and on throughout scripture of of who God calls us, of who we are in Christ, and joy flows from You see in the life of Paul and Silas when they're in prison in Acts 16 and they're they're imprisoned and literally in chains because of the gospel and they're they're singing songs. They're singing songs about God's goodness and God's grace and about who God is and who they are and songs of worship. Why are they able to do that? How are they able to do that? Because they know that God is is better than all that this world offers, and they know that joy comes from longing for Him alone. Joy comes from longing for Him alone. And that that relationship that exists, it can't be taken. And you can throw them in jail, and you can even take their life, but that relationship cannot be stolen. And there's a great amount of joy that comes from that. So fourthly, longing for God is both active and passive. Longing for God is both active and passive. And I want to take a minute just to tell you what that means. If you look at verse 8 closely, it's an interesting verse. Verse 8 says, My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So that there's, there's two parts here. So there's my soul Clinging to you, and then there's there's God's hand that upholds me. And there's a beautiful balance here as David clings to God, but underneath it all, there's this picture of God upholding David. God upholding David. And this this Hebrew word here that's translated clings, it points to loyalty related to affection. Loyalty related. Related to affection. It's, it's the same word used in Genesis 2 when it talks about a man will, will hold fast or, or cleave to his wife. Loyalty related to affection. It's also the same word that Ruth used in Ruth 1.4 when she was clinging to her mother-in-law. When she did not want to part from her. Loyalty from affection or with Affection. Your relationship with the Lord is is comparable in many ways to a marriage relationship, to a marriage relationship. Marriage is a relationship where intense feelings of of passion are intertwined with a lifelong commitment, right? So that's, that's the picture of marriage, intense feelings of passion intertwined with a lifetime of commitment. And when a couple falls in love, there are strong feelings there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a marriage will not survive years and decades based just on feelings. Because I, I promise you that there are going to be times when, when you don't feel love for your spouse. So a marriage can't exist on a bedrock of feelings. Because it won't survive that. But at the same time, if you don't ever experience any feelings in your marriage, then there's probably other issues there too. So it's this picture of strong, passionate feelings intertwined with commitment. And our relationship with God is in some ways mirrored and reflected in a marriage. The commitment carries you through hard times when feelings may fade. And sometimes you maybe even have to work at the the romance. You have to work at the feelings. But if there are no feelings, then your marriage is in trouble. So seeking after God means keeping your passion for God alive. It means keeping your passion for God alive. Because Christianity, it's, it's not just a matter of the head, right? We can study theology all day long... But it's not just a matter of the head, it's also a matter of the heart. Because we are emotional beings, because God is an emotional being, and we are created in His image, and so we can't just ignore emotions and live up here, as honestly, I have a tendency to do. So I recognize in myself that 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 can't be the case. That we have to engage God from our hearts as well as our heads in understanding who God is and allowing that knowledge of who God is and His revealed self and His Word to engage our hearts and to stir up affection for Him. Seeking God means keeping your passion for Him alive. And as you think in what God has done for you in Christ, it ought to move you emotionally. There should be emotions involved as you think about the truths of the gospel and what God has done for us in Jesus, and as you reflect on his love and his faithfulness towards you over the years, you ought to feel love for him. As you reflect on his love and faithfulness, you ought to feel love for him. And at the same time, all of these feelings, there's a passive aspect to them as well, because John six forty four says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'm not going to pretend that that I know all the the ins and outs and every detail of of how salvation works because I don't think that anyone really does. But I do know that God's word is clear in saying that we come to God not simply because of our own choice, but there's there's an awakening that God initiates in our hearts to allow us to choose him, to allow us to pursue him. We can't choose God left to ourselves because, again, Ephesians 2 says that we were dead. But God made us alive. It is God who awakens our hearts to him. He is the initial pursuer. He allows us to come to him. He initiates the relationship. And David had an an understanding of this in verse 8. My soul clings to you, but your right hand upholds me. Longing for God. There's an active and a a passive aspect to it. Quickly, and we'll finish up with this, just two, two quick points of application. What does it look like to actively long for God? What does it look like to Actively long for God, to earnestly seek him, as verse 1 says. Number 1 is simple. Spend time with him. Spend time with him. Verse 2, David wrote, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Um, Spending time with God looks differently in different ways, but one, time, one, one way that we do spend time with God is simply spending time in his word, in his revealed word, learning more about who God is, learning more about who we are in Christ, learning more about God's character, learning more about his patience and his kindness and his goodness and his gentleness and his faithfulness, learning about who he is through his word. As a church, we've adopted the, the CBR Journal. This, the CBR Journal. And it's, it's, it's essentially just a reading plan. There, there's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing um, special or extra spiritual about it. It's essentially a, a reading plan for how to read through the Bible. And if you go through each day, I think you read through the Bible in three years. And so I, I, want, I want to encourage you guys, if you don't have a, a plan for how to spend time with the Lord, to start with that. To start with that. And as you spend time with him, pray. Ask God to continue to stir up affections for him as he reveals himself to you through his word. And we do that in community. We have missional communities that meet um, over Zoom. And we have coffee groups that meet Uh, over Zoom or in socially distant settings where where we're allowed to to come together and just share what has God been teaching you? What has God been speaking to you? And We encourage one another. Here's what God's been showing me. Here's what God's been teaching me through his word. And we spur one another on through community. Um, Mother Teresa was once asked... um, She was once asked for spiritual direction by someone, and she gave a really short and simple response, and I really love the response. She said this, Spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you will be fine. Spend one hour a day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything that you know is wrong and you will be fine. It's an interesting response, and it's, it's a in some ways just a simplified picture of the Christian life. That if you spend time with God, and you follow and you're obedient to his revealed word, that a natural overflow of that is that your life would produce fruit. Because that's, that's how the, the fruit of the Spirit works, right? Like, God's Spirit is inside of you. If you spend time with Him, getting to know Him, and your adoration for Him grows, out of that adoration and relationship, fruit will occur. And oftentimes, we struggle with, with time, right? Oftentimes, we struggle with time. Because that... I've struggled with, uh, with time management before. I've had seasons where I've struggled with time management. And we have a tendency to say, well, that, that sounds great, Mother Teresa. Spend an hour, just in adoration of the Lord each day. Where am I supposed to find that hour? Like, I've got this going on, and this and this. Where am I supposed to find that hour? Where do I find that time? And the truth is, and this is a hard truth, but I, but I believe it to be true. The truth is, We all make time for the things that we want to make time for. We all make time for the things that we want to make time for. When Caitlin and I started dating, I would have told you that I was a pretty busy person. I worked a full-time job. I was involved in, in... church leadership and, and volunteering. Uh, I had a, a fairly large friend group. Like I would have told you that, that I, my schedule was fairly full and stayed fairly full. When we started dating, I made time for that. And I said no to other things, and I said no to other relationships because I desired to be with her. I found joy and delighted in being with her. I made time for her. And I gave up other things because I valued my time with her more than I valued my time doing these other things. So where, where we use and expense our time mirrors what we value. Where we spend our time mirrors what we value. So if we're not valuing God and longing for him, you won't see that in our time. Longing for God means you will make time to spend it with Him because you delight to do so. This includes time in His Word or time in prayer or praise and worship. Time can look like a lot of different things. Time with the Lord. And we need a plan, right? Like we need a plan for this. And I can't tell you how, how much having a, a plan in place in my personal life and my personal walk with the Lord has affected how successful I am at actually fulfilling that desire. And there's nothing wrong with making plans, right? Like sometimes when we make, when we make plans, we, we have a tendency to think that we're kind of putting things onto a list of things that we've got to do and then we're kind of checking the boxes. There's nothing wrong with plans. There's nothing wrong with saying, at at 6 a.m., I'm going to set my alarm, and I'm going to get up and spend time with the Lord. Sometimes we want to make our relationships just so organic. Organic in some ways is good. In other ways, sometimes things just don't happen. And so there's nothing wrong with making plans. Again, when Caitlin and I started dating, we would make plans to see each other. Making plans didn't make our relationship cold or calculated It just made sure that it was going to happen because we both wanted it. So we would make plans to see each other. So spending time with the Lord is one way that we can grow in our longing for God. And and lastly, and we'll finish with this, lastly is simply listening to His Spirit. Listening to His Spirit. Again, that quote from Mother Teresa, spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord. Never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. The implication there is that if you're spending time with the Lord, that you are living your life listening for His Spirit. His Spirit that lives inside of you. That you'd be obedient to His revealed Word. Cultivate that relationship with Him and His Spirit would do the rest. That God, through that, would give you ears to hear that you'd be able to follow him and be obedient to him. I was reminded from the CBR readings this past week. Luke chapter 4 repeatedly talks about the life of Jesus and how he was led by the Spirit. Verse 1 says he was full of of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 14 said, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God's spirit was continually with Jesus. And he continually listened to and obeyed that spirit's presence in his life. He lived in constant communion and relationship with God the Father. Each step was determined and filtered through the spirit's presence in his life. And in John 6, 38, he said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so every action of his life was planned out and filtered through the will of the Father. So longing for God results in relying on his Spirit. On relying on his Spirit. And as much as we love to to try to turn the Christian life into, again, these check boxes of things that we've got to do and things that we're not supposed to do, the reality is Micah 6, verse 7 and 8, it, it still rings really true for us today. When it says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. To walk humbly with God. That is what it looks like to live a life longing for God. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. and We're going to finish up this morning Again, the, the big idea from the passage this morning was simply God is worthy of our longing and we long for his worth. God is worthy of our longing and we long for his worth. So I want to ask you just four quick questions just to ponder on. And I don't have these on the screen, so I apologize. you have to listen. Four quick questions. Number one, do you believe God's love is better than life? Do you really believe it? Like at the heart and core of who you are. Do you believe that his love is better than life? Do you experience true joy through satisfaction in him? Do you experience true joy through satisfaction in him? And the third question where do you look for satisfaction in this world? Because the reality is we all, at some point, we look for satisfaction in the things of this world. Where do you look for satisfaction in this world? Where are you tempted to look for satisfaction? Where do you elevate gifts above the giver? And number four is, is simple. What is your plan? What is your plan for you personally to increase your longing for the Lord? What does it look like for you to spend time with Him. And sometimes spending time with Him means, means reading a CBR journal passage or another reading plan through Scripture. Sometimes it means taking a walk and being outdoors in His creation and just talking to God the Father. So what is your plan? What does it look like for you to increase your longing for the Lord? I invite you guys to pray with me. Father, we are grateful... God, you initiated the relationship with us. That, God, you call us to yourself. And, God, we confess that we so often, God, look for satisfaction in the world around us. And, God, we elevate gifts above giver. God, we seek to find joy and contentment in the world. And God, your word is so clear. And God, our experiences have taught us the same. That true joy, true contentment is found in you alone. So Jesus, I pray this morning that, God, your Holy Spirit would move and stir inside of us, God, new affections for you. God, new affections for for who you are. God, for what you've done for us God, may those affections draw us close to yourself. And God, as we taste and see that you are good, God, increase our longing, increase our desire to know you more. God, there's a, a depth of knowledge, God, in you that we could explore for the rest of our lives and never fully know you. So, God, continue to reveal yourself. God, continue to awaken us to new truths of who you are. God, may we long for your presence. It's in the precious name of Jesus.